As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts, an eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Live after Chiefs-Lions. If I would have said that four years ago, like, wait, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl and they're playing the Lions? Like, yeah, they're not only playing the Lions. Lions are coached by this guy named Dan Campbell, who you might remember from the Dolphins, who's just like this ultimate meathead, but also kind of cool. He's going to beat the Chiefs on opening night in front of millions of people. Chiefs are 0-1, Lions are 1-0. Jared Goff, Lions kind of getting their swag back. And obviously the Chiefs have an injured star tight end and a defensive tackle that uh, is rolling with two guys that look like the mob up in the... Uh, what a bizarre scene. Chris Jones at the game in a suite. But the suite looked like really close to the fans, so we will dive into it all. Chiefs-Lions, the Bengals broke a story about Joe Burrow uh, mid-game. A little bizarre. Give it a thought on that. And then we'll dive into a couple other games as well as primetime. He's playing Nebraska this week. And then of we'll do this again. We did it last year. I think we did it for the last couple years. Stucky from the Action Network. We have him on to talk gambling, pick some games this week. He loves a lot of upsets. So we will do a little gambling segment every Friday. And uh, next time you'll hear me, I'll be on with Colin on Sunday night after Cowboys-Giants. So the plan next week will be me and Colin for Monday. And then just three and out for the next four days. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, three and out. Fire in those DMs. We'll have a lot of mailbags next week at John Middlecoff. And uh, let's rock and roll, baby. But first, what I need you to do, go to your smartphone and download a little app called Game Time. They happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. What you do is you sign up for tickets. You want to go, you live in Kansas City, you want to go to a Chiefs game. You live in Detroit, you want to go to the Red Hot Lions. 
any NFL game, any college football game, concerts, comedy shows, they have you covered. Download the app, sign up for your first pair of tickets. And when you do, use the promo code JOHN. That's J-O-H-N. Promo code JOHN. Get $20 off. I don't even need to thank you. Just go to the Game Time app and use the promo code JOHN. Any pair of tickets to any event and get $20 off. Thank me later just by using the promo code. Let's dive into the game. Uh, incredible win by the Detroit Lions. Listen, was it the most beautiful game ever? Who cares? It's NFL football. It's back. Defending champs. And the Lions win. And a couple things really jump out to me. First and foremost, some people DM me, like, what does Dan Campbell actually do? Well, couldn't I say the same thing about John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin? Those guys are CEO head coaches. Don't call the offense. Don't call the defense. And both their teams, my entire, really, adult life since college, they've both been the coaches, have had an identity. And it's been toughness. And when you think of the Harbaugh family and when you think of Mike Tomlin, you think tough guys. And their teams always reflect it. Well, here's what I will say about the Lions. They reflect Dan Campbell, right? At the line of scrimmage, offensively, their O-line is awesome. And they know it, and they consistently go to it. My only knock on him tonight when he went for it on fourth down, which they ended up stopping the Chiefs when they didn't get it because Andy went for it on fourth and 25, a little YOLO, is that they didn't run the ball. Like, that's their point of difference, especially with Chris Jones sitting with two dudes from the Mafia sitting next to him up in a suite. So their identity is their head coach. Like, they are a really tough team. Here's the other thing. Their trade with Matt Stafford has worked wonders. Like, that netted them multiple first-round picks. The talent on their team, it's not very difficult to see. You don't need to be Bill Parcells or Bill Polian to watch them play a quarter of football and go, Jesus, they have a lot of talent. This isn't your mom and dad's Detroit Lions. And think about this, because Jamison Williams is trying to hit parlays He's suspended right now, and he clearly is going to be one of the fastest and potentially one of the more dynamic players in the NFL. But offensively, their O-line's loaded. Aiden Hutchinson looks like the third Bosa brother. The young linebacker they just drafted made a play tonight. They sign a safety who's a playmaker from the Eagles, and they just have young talent. I mean, and here's the other thing, and I've said this forever, uh, I don't care what you do for a living, right? Personally, we all need when we're kids – Usually, whoever raises you, parents, grandparents, aunt, uncle, I don't care, someone to believe in you, someone to help you build confidence, and then maybe as you age through junior high and high school, maybe someone else outside of you know your home, a teacher, a coach, kind of adds to that. And I think the same thing professionally. When you're young, and I, honestly, whatever age you are, you need someone to believe in you. And when you have people that help you gain confidence – by whether it's hyping you up, whether you're in a certain business, buying your product, going into business with you, in football, telling you you can play, telling you we want start you, that you can make plays, that we can win with you, that matters. And let's face it, a couple years ago, a little out of character, not that Sean McVay turns on players, he does a lot, but publicly, he just constantly was taking a giant shit on Jared Goff all the time. It was kind of crazy. And it was just a couple years removed from them going to the Super Bowl. This guy was the number one overall pick. Is he ever going to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson? Probably not. But 
as you've seen this last year and then tonight, the guy is a really good player. And early on, McVeigh believed in him. He was good. Now again, Dan Campbell and that operation, Ben Johnson, believe in him. He's good again. I don't even have the box score in front of me. All I know is I watched him tonight thinking, that's a really good quarterback. That's a guy you not only can make the playoffs with, but if you build a good enough team around him, like Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's every bit of that. And obviously last year his stats reflected that. I watched a guy tonight that feels confident. He's calm, poised, collected on the road in what? A top two, three environment in the league? Like not an easy place to play. And this isn't the 2018 Chiefs. Their defense is pretty good. Pretty physical team. And he's pretty unfazed. He's accurate. Uh, he's clearly really comfortable in their offense. They obviously have a lot of weapons around them. This is what I said on the preview pod when I not only picked them to win the division, I didn't understand. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. A lot of national pundits are down on the Lions. Obviously, X's nose and your head coach really matters. And Dan Campbell, as of right now, before tonight, has never proven anything, right? He's never been a playoff-level head coach. But clearly, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, scheme-wise, they're really good. And then their personnel on defense, I would say, is vastly improved from last year. Their division, bye-bye Aaron Rodgers. Minnesota is going through a rebuilding process. And even if Fields improves, that roster stinks. This Lions team is loaded with talent. And like I bet on what I saw at the end of last season, down the stretch, and it showed tonight. Like one, they were down in that game. They didn't flinch. Never forget, they started I, one and four. Remember, they were they did not start well last year. So they've built up some calluses. They've built up some beliefs. They they know how to kind of climb out of a hole. They came into this game to me with a lot of confidence. Like they showed up ready to play. Now we'll get into the Chiefs in a second. I, I obviously it wasn't the full strength version, but you go on the road in this environment where I saw a lot of people on the interwebs on the Twitter.com saying like what the Lions of all the teams you could have picked to play in this game. I actually think the Lions were a really good choice. I also think that reflects why the NFL is king. You couldn't do this in any other sport. The Lions, are they the losing? I'm 38 years old. They feel like the worst franchise over my entire life. They just feel like they always lose. They're always the butt of every joke. You could say the Browns, but they had some moments when I was really young. Uh, the Raiders made a Super Bowl when I was in like high school. So I would say the Lions, by far, start to finish of the last 40-plus years, are the NFL's worst franchise. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. The NFL puts them in prime time with their biggest brands, you know, as a player in, right now in Patrick Mahomes, and it felt completely normal. And I would imagine 25, 30 million people watch that game. And that, that speaks to the power of the NFL. But also, I give the NFL and the schedule makers some credit, kind of like picking stocks. They're like, we're betting on this one. Uh, based on what we saw last year, they had a couple draft picks this year because of that Stafford trade. That tight end they drafted in the second round. Here's the other thing. The running back they drafted from Alabama, remember all the, the draft gurus? And listen, I tend to be like, you don't draft a running back in the first round. Like, I, I think we all kind of agree with that. But there are also some outlier situations, i.e. the 2023 draft, which was historically fucking terrible on paper. So if you're going to draft 12, 13, 14, and most GMs all admitted 
there were 12 to 15 first-round graded players max, and he clearly was one. The other thing, he's clearly a hybrid player. He can run the ball, but he's also really good as a pass catcher, which is kind of the knock when we're talking about paying these guys. Do you impact the passing game? Like Derrick Henry, Adrian Peterson, those guys are complete outliers. And honestly, most of those type players, even on the high end, are not coming into the NFL. you got to be able to do both. And if you do both on the high end, look at Christian McCaffrey, you become a star. That guy looks like a pretty damn good player to me. And back to Jared Goff. When you've had a good running game and a good offensive line, Jared Goff has proven he can win. He's never going to be some elite, all-time great player. But he's pretty darn good. And, and I think we need to part, start putting some more respect on his name because it get back to the McVay stuff when everyone's really down on him. And I'm probably guilty of that too. But the guy I watched last year and the guy I watched tonight, I, I was really impressed. Now, it comes to the Chiefs. I uh, My topic mid-game when I thought the Chiefs were going to win was the dynasty is in full swing. Uh, I even had written down the record, 118-45. and 45. That would have been Andy's regular season record with the Chiefs. Had he won, obviously he lost, so he's 117 and 46. I still feel really good about them. They must have had 45 drops. I mean, honestly, seven, eight drops. You could argue 10-ish. Like, this is the NFL. This isn't high school football. If it hits your hand, even if it's a little behind you, you got to catch it. One of those drops led to a touchdown. The other thing is, how many teams, especially elite teams, could win without two of their best players. And not just like two really good players. One guy, I still can't get over the two individuals, the Cats brothers, that Chris Jones was sitting next to. They honestly look like guys that would have been walking next to Pesci and Ray Liotta in Goodfellas, that when you walked into a room, one of them would have been behind you and you would have gone bye-bye. That's what they look like. It was an incredible look. One dude was on the phone. I always laugh when you're at like a game, even I don't care how important you are if you're Jeff Bezos or Roger Goodell or whoever, and you're on the phone in a game, like, who are you talking to? Just text the person back. It's it's always, I, I got you red flagged, uh, but he showed up. And you could argue that Kelsey and Chris Jones are two of the top, I don't know, six, seven non-quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I view the Lions as a playoff team. I feel very, very confident. I, I'd say it's a lock. They're, they're not... If they don't win the division, they're going to make a wild card. Look at the NFC. They're clearly one of the better teams in the NFC as long as Jared Goff does not get injured. And the Chiefs were in full control of that game for a minute with balls hitting the ground. I had to Google some of the guys he was throwing to, and one of them looks like a very promising player, Rice, the second rounder from SMU. Tony, who ended the season really strong for the Chiefs, had a horrendous game. I mean, I don't know, over under four or five drops Obviously, the one drop led to a touchdown. Their star tight end, not the star tight end, arguably, I, I think many people would argue he's the greatest pass-catching tight end ever. Pretty sure his numbers are going to back that up when it's all said and done, was sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt. So they're going to be fine. Here's the other thing. When you have a great coach and a great coaching staff, some of these young players, including Tony, get coached up. They improve. This is also the NFL. If you do not improve, you no longer play. And he goes about it differently than, say, Belichick. He's just nicer. But you have to get it done. And if you don't get it done, you will get replaced. The other thing is, Kelsey will come back. I would imagine he was on the fence. They kind of alluded to it during the broadcast. Why risk it? You get a long break to Jacksonville next week. 
And Chris Jones, I mean, I, I would be stunned if they don't figure something out in the next three or four days. So you will get those two players back who are elite. And the other guys will eventually make more plays. Their running game will be fine with Pacheco. I also think that they are in the mode of they're going to be sniffing around players to trade for. And when you see these stories about guys like Mike Evans, whoever, insert veteran player who's a high-end guy at wide receiver, they will be in that market. I promise you that. They are. They have one goal moving forward. Year in, year out now with Andy and Mahomes. They're the only team in the NFL that I think falls into this category. It's Super Bowl or bust. No one else. None of even the next three or four teams. The Eagles, the Niners, the Bengals, the Bills. None of them can say that. Getting to the Super Bowl for all those teams is a fantastic season. The Chiefs, anything less than winning the Lombardi when you have Mahomes in his prime and clearly the best head coach to me in the NFL is a failure. So they will improve as the season goes on. That's what great coaches do. They coach guys up and they will get their great players back. If I was a Chiefs fan, sucks to lose on opening night. Not the end of the world. Stuff you got to clean up, but everything will be all right. Something that happened, uh, we put out a little social video during during early on in the game because I'm pretty sure the Lions got the ball to start and then the Chiefs got it after a punt. And right before Mahomes, I don't know if he was under center or was shotgun, right before the ball was going to touch his fingers, for I, I had my uh, my iPad open and a tweet came out from Adam Schefter that said Joe Burrow officially signed this enormous contract, like $55 million a year, uh, $220 million guaranteed. I think it was like $219, almost $100 million more guaranteed dollars than the, uh, than the Nick Bosa contract. Just a historic moment for the Bengals franchise, for Joe Burrow, and just for the league. I thought it was a complete and utter embarrassment for the clearly what happened was Mike Brown, who kind of has this, let's face it, we're not as good as the Chiefs syndrome, right? Because if you are confident in securing yourself, you would leak that out tomorrow when you get the entire day for people to talk about your quarterback, especially after potentially, you don't know if the Chiefs are going to win or lose you know, early on in the game, but you would kind of get to own the moment. Your player, your franchise, which historically has been very cheap, a lot of people wondered if he goes to the Bengals, will he ever get paid? Should he force his way to another franchise, but the loyal Ohio guy? And for the Bengals, it, it just felt very low level. It felt very minor league. And honestly, it felt very Mike Brown. I, I thought if I'm just any other partner in the league, because never forget, all these people are partners. They all do business together. And if memory serves me correct, for years when the Bengals were not doing shit, Andy Reid and the Chiefs were helping the league draw huge ratings, which draws money for teams like the Bengals. And now that the Bengals are their foe and their, I, I guess, rival, uh, I just I don't understand it. And, and I honestly... I just think it's a poor reflection of Mike Brown. I don't blame Shefty. Love that guy. Of course, he's going to leak it when the franchise gives it to him. It's an enormous story. But what a complete waste early on in the game. I, I just, it just made me, you know, chuckle. Like, come on, guys. Are we really going to be this petty? And are you really not seeing like the forest beyond the trees? Like what you're doing here? This is a positive for your franchise. And it kind of just gets lost. 
I don't know, in the opening game of the NFL with the number one player in the league? Like, what are we doing? But sometimes Mike Brown is just going to be Mike Brown. Okay, a couple other things um, I wanted to hit on. I think the Niner-Steeler game, a lot of us, I love offense, and I said this about TCU and Shador Sanders and that game. It's really fun to watch. Like, who doesn't like watching good quarterback play? Points get scored. But the reason, like, I, and I love college football, but I like the NFL more because it's just harder to score. And even the NFL, sometimes when something will come up on Instagram of, like, a play Ronnie Lott in the 80s or John Lynch in the 90s or Brian Dawkins in the 2000s, it's like, God, I love that NFL when people just got destroyed. When I used to have cassette tapes as a kid of just people getting borderline killed. Now, things change. Information comes out. You obviously had to change the rules, the safety, the lawsuits. I totally understand it. That being said, I, I still have a soft spot, and I still you know, yearn for some defense. And for the most part, defense doesn't get played in college football. But in the NFL, you have to have a good defense to, to not just win a Super Bowl, but to compete in the playoffs. Most teams in the second round and beyond have good defenses. Look last year. Eagles, Niners, the Chiefs are good on defense now. The Bengals, part of the reason with the Bills is they couldn't stop anybody toward the end, right? The Giants weren't quite good enough on defense. The Cowboys had a championship-level defense. Their offense let them down. You got to play defense. And I think this Niners-Steeler game is going to be a little throwback. It's going to be one of those games where you better have your chin strap buckled up. People are going to get crushed. And these are the type of games why I still love football. And I, I like tonight because I thought bodies were flying. People kept DMing me like, what's he doing jumping off sides? Like, I'm not a rule expert. I don't quite know. J.J. Watts on Instagram trying to explain it. I, I, I can't even begin to understand. Clearly, it throws me off too, but a rule is a rule. I don't even try to understand. But the level of physicality that's coming, Pittsburgh and the 49ers, is just going to – they have two coaches. Obviously, Kyle's a little younger than Mike Tomlin – but both view football the same way. Want to run the ball down your throat and destroy you on defense. And the level of talent in this game is just outstanding, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, both teams, I would say, have question marks at quarterback despite really believing in that position. From Clearly, Mike Tomlin and that organization have loved Kenny Pickett since his senior year at Pittsburgh. Clearly, the 49ers became smitten with Brock Purdy the moment he started playing. And the moment that he played in a short week with like a broken rib against Seattle and then was awesome. So they really believe. But I picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl and I picked the Steelers to be right there with the Chiefs when it's all said and done in the AFC. The pressure's on these two quarterbacks, right? Purdy to maintain that level of play. And Kenny Pickett to be a guy that takes a step. If they do, you know, I think you're looking at the Niners winning 13, 14 games. And to me, the Steelers 12-win team. So I would say of all the morning games, this is the one I got circled and I can't wait for. Speaking of other games, a little old school. When I worked for the Eagles, one thing I used to hear was Jeffrey Lurie despises the Patriots, right? Boston guy. I think there was some, at the time, I mean, this is before the Eagles ever won a Super Bowl, some jealousy. Obviously, they were the number one franchise in terms of winning at the time, winning Super Bowls. The Patriots had beaten the Eagles in that the first Super Bowl with McNabb when he threw up and and uh, Terrell Owens was talking shit about him after and it, it, that was kind of a disaster. 
But ever since, like, the Eagles ultimately got off on them. And now the Eagles are kind of up here, and it feels like the Patriots are holding on by a kind of a thread right now. Obviously, I don't know if you saw the news. Belichick broken up with Cougar Linda. Smarty never got married. That would have been a, a lot of uh, money going her way. But, you know, they, they never tied the knot. Breakup. Rumors are he's very edgy at work. Could be because of her or could just be, I don't know how good his team is. And one of my takes really this offseason was I think Mac Jones is going to get everyone fired. Now, if you're a diehard Patriot fan, maybe you push back and say he's done enough to try to get the Shula record that the Crafts are going to let it play out no matter what next year. What if he goes 7-10? and 10? They honestly could be solid and go seven and ten. The division's really hard. You know, what do they? How do they win? They're they have to have an elite defense. They got to be really good at running the ball and have like Juju Smith go off. <laughs> that's kind that's kind of what they're doing. Kendrick Bourne. I, I don't know. I there were some rumors that Zeke looks pretty good, but this would be a pretty big bummer for Bill. Everyone's picking the Eagles. It's Tom Brady. You know, just honoring Tom. The place is going to be going nuts. Bill's going to be on one, pissed off because his girlfriend, hell, I bet, who knows? Maybe she she did not break up with Bill Belichick. Belichick broke up with her. Uh, so maybe he's feeling some freedom and just ready to roll. But this is a fantastic game. This is one of those games, and we talk about it with Stucky. you just kind of like dogs early. Like, of course the Patriots aren't as good as the Eagles, but things get weird. And you have to wonder, does Bill have some trick plays? Do they run some fakes? On uh, on special teams, because I, I think they would have to do that to beat Philly. But this is another game that I can't wait to watch. And last but not least, we'll be going live, uh, recording a pod with, with Coward after this game forever. And I understood why they did it, right? The two biggest brands, well, I guess the biggest brand in the NFL is the Cowboys, and the biggest market is New York. So the Cowboys and Giants, it felt like Sunday Night Football, which is the biggest television show in America, it was just always Dallas Giants, either in Dallas or in New York, on Sunday Night Football. And a lot of those years, it was like, oh, the Giants suck or the Cowboys are average. Why do we have to watch this? Now, once you get closer and you're in the business, you kind of understand. Like, I get it from a number standpoint, because even if both teams are, you know, 6-11, and 11, if it's week one, th- that game is going to do enormous numbers. Now it feels real. There's like substance behind it. These two teams are good. I, I'm picking the Cowboys to win the East. I think they're going to be excellent. And I think the Giants aren't just going to back up last year. I think they're going to look dramatically better. I think we're going to see a step from Daniel Jones. I think Waller's going to have you know, just a huge impact on that offense. Saquon's clearly motivated because he wants a long-term contract. And listen, I'm not pro paying running backs, but if by midseason Saquon's dominating, not just on the ground, which he always has, but is very productive in the passing game, you know the Maras will want to take care of their guy. I, I could see if things are going well, them extending him midseason, no problem. And I think there are some rules, maybe with the franchise tag, but at the end of the season, you know what I mean. They will want to take care of this player. And this game is legit. I mean, think about Mike McCarthy has been one of the most polarizing coaches in the NFL, what, the last seven, eight years? Probably since middle of his Green Bay run till now. And then when you factor in that he essentially fired Kellen Moore, who gets to go to Justin Herbert, and he takes over play calling. And think about this. I think Justin Herbert's going to be an MVP-level player. So what happens if earlier in the day, Herbert throws for four touchdowns and Kellen Moore looks awesome? It's like, well, what's Mike going to look like with Dak? Dak's saying all offseason, studied my interceptions. 
I'm going to cut it down. We're gonna, I think I saw a quote today. I, I've like mastered the offense, or I've never felt more comfortable. There's a ton of pressure on this Cowboys because every year there is because they're kind of like the Yankees. Their fan base is so big, everyone bets on them. But anyone that watches football knows like, this is a real team. The, the squad, every time I see Jason Garrett, I just, sorry, I got distracted. I, I don't understand. Like, part of being on TV is being entertaining. And somehow NBC takes all these guys who are just never going to be entertaining. Tony Dungy, remarkable human being. Character relative to most of us in a different stratosphere. No one wants to watch him on television. Jason Garrett. Who is asking for this guy to have a microphone on TV? I remember Drew Brees, when they hired him to do NBC, I was like, guys, he is not going to be good. What happened? They fired him a year later. I, I just don't understand when I look at my TV and there's Jason Garrett breaking down stuff. Like, I, I just, who's asking for this? But clearly not Jerry Jones when he said him packing. Now he's got Mike McCarthy. If, if Mike McCarthy ends up on NBC in two years when he gets fired for Deion Sanders, I'm going to lose it. I might boycott NBC because I, I don't think I could take looking up my TV and seeing McCarthy and Jason Garrett standing next to each other telling me about some Isaiah Pacheco run. I, I, I might, I, I, I have a mental breakdown. But this Giants-Cowboy game, I can't wait. Let's get to this. My friends at Guinness, they're a big part of the show now. Uh, I love Guinness. I've been a loyal Guinness drinker for a long time. Uh, love a good Irish car bomb as well. But... I think the Cardinals are going to be god-awful. I think they're really going to be one of the worst teams we've seen in recent memory. Even that Dolphins team that was ironically tanking for Tua, and then they won some games. Ultimately, it turns out you would have wanted Joe Burrow. They ended up taking Tua anyway, and if they could do it over again, they would have taken Herbert, but that's another story we'll get into here in a minute. That I think the Cardinals have a chance to win less than three games and just be one of the most atrocious teams in the league. That being said, weird things happen in week one. And every year in the first couple weeks, you're like, how did that happen? Last year, Bears beat the 49ers. They had the worst record in the league the rest of the season. Hell, two weeks later, the Niners lost to the Denver Broncos. So teams early in the season, there's a result that you'll look back on in December. You're like, how the hell did that happen? Pretty simple. Early in the year. You don't see it coming. Right, just teams. It's hard to prepare new schemes, new players. Just everyone thinks they have hope. Week one, week two, right? I, you can play high school football. You can play junior high basketball. The second game of the season, you do not know you suck. By you know three months in, you realize you might start mailing it in. But week one, you get the team's best shot. And here's the thing with the Cardinals: no one has any clue what they're going to look like offensively or defensively. And they do have some capable NFL players. Washington has been weird all offseason. I actually, listen, I think Washington is going to compete like they did last year to be right around 8-9 wins. That They're not going to be bad. Uh, now, ultimately, I think it will lead to Ron Rivera losing his job, but I think the Cardinals are going to win. My bold take of the week, brought to you by Guinness, is the Arizona Cardinals win week one. I all I, I was thinking about hedging it with either the Cardinals or the Rams, because I think the Rams are going to be terrible too. But I was like, no hedge. I'm going the Cardinals, and I'm not backing off. I think they are going to compete for Caleb Williams, and by the end, Caleb Williams' dad will, will, will threaten all the way up till his son declares for the draft that he won't come out because he doesn't want his son to play for Michael Bidwell. But they win week one against Washington, and everyone goes, we, do we need to reassess this? And no, we don't. They're going to be terrible. But I got the Cardinals, bold take of the week, beating Washington. 
brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness Drought, stout imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. Okay, a couple quick things. One game that's fascinating because these two players will always be tied at the hip because they went after each other in the draft, and that's Tua and Justin Herbert. And let's face it, like it's not even debatable. I'm sorry, Miami Dolphins fan. If they could have a do-over, they would take Justin Herbert over to Otago Bailoa. That's not breaking news here. And the reality is, if there was a do-over in the draft, which there never has been in the history of drafts, it would go Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Then I think it would be up for debate where Tua would go. Anytime that Justin Herbert just got a $200 million plus, $180 million guarantee extension, when it's that level of player... It's a no-brainer. Where Tua, it's like, yeah, we're not signing you yet, as they shouldn't because of the injuries. Now, Tua's never going to be as good as Justin Herbert. It's just not possible. He doesn't have the physical gifts. He's just not as good of a player. But the one thing that he can do to at least, because anytime that you pass on what looks like a generational quarterback, who'd you take? Now, if you take a quarterback who just stinks, you got a problem. Ultimately, why the 49ers are getting somewhat, I don't want to say a pass, because the trade was historically awful, but it doesn't derail them is because they keep winning games. And ultimately, they found Brock Purdy. Now, we'll see how good Brock is, but last year he was dramatically better than anything they've had during Kyle Shanahan's era. That Tua does not have to be Herbert or Allen or Mahomes or Lamar or any of the top guys. He'll never be. He's not that good. But can he just be in the crew of Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, what Derek Carr was for the Raiders in some of his good seasons, and Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers? Because if he can give you that, then if you are a good enough GM and a good enough coach, you can build around that. They already have a lot of good pieces. Obviously, on offense, the two wide receivers, Jalen Phillips and, and Bradley Chubb on defense. like They, they got some pieces to build around. Um, that You can mitigate the hate and the criticism because you're naturally going to get it. Uh, and, and the only question mark is, and listen, I have a ton of respect for anyone that does martial arts. Where I grew up in Davis, there was a place called Rodness Karate. He had trained with Horace Gracie. I attempted to go. I, I didn't really like it. I didn't have the patience, but and I, not like I would have been a good fighter. or I, It didn't really do much for me because it was hard. I, I just didn't like it. it. It wasn't for me. But I knew a lot of people that did it. The discipline that it takes. how just it, It's very impressive. And I obviously went to Cal Poly where Chuck Liddell and Chad Mendez, MMA fighters. like The discipline it takes to wrestle, to fight to train. I, I I can't have any more admiration than anyone that, that consistently does that or definitely that is good at it. So I understand Tua attempting to do something to limit his injuries and the his offseason plan, like I understand him trying because why would you not? I just don't think it's going to work because one, when you fight someone, whether it be in karate, in any form of martial arts, in boxing, in MMA, there are weight classes. Right, Floyd Mayweather is not fighting George Foreman. Just like Chuck Liddell is not fighting some 150-pound guy. Right, where the guys chasing Tua are way bigger than him. So he can attempt to limit his concussions and his injuries by learning how to fall. But you can't learn how to fall when a 320-pound guy who is an anomaly in the world, like there aren't many humans like this, you could rock, walk around all over America, all over all the countries in the world, and you're not going to find many guys that are 310 pounds that are as strong as these guys and can move like that. They are not growing on trees. 
They, they do not just walk around if you just go to a big city. That's not what... The, these, these people are outliers. Their strength, their talents, their just physical capabilities. So I, I, I struggle to think that this is going to work out well. Because Tua got hurt in college. He's been hurt in the pros. And he's not... You know, for a little guy, he's not built like Kyler Murray. Right? He, he's not built like some of these mobile players... Obviously, some guys that are taller than him, Lamar Jackson, whoever. He's not a runner. I, I actually see a lot of similarities with him and Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young, the college player, a lot more than Tua, the college player. These are pocket quarterbacks. They're just tiny. Now, Tua's bigger than Bryce, but the guys chasing them are outweighing them by a large amount. And some of them, even at 300-plus pounds, are every bit as fast, if not faster. And that's a problem. So it'll never, like, they'll always want to redo on that one. But Tua can at least keep everyone somewhat silent by just being a solid player. And he had moments of that last year, but he's got to stay on the field. And that's only he can answer that at the end of the year by avoiding injuries. And that's sometimes that's very, very difficult. Uh, another game that I'm fascinated by is just this Denver Broncos experiment. Uh, the Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, they're playing the Raiders, which obviously classic Raiders, they get an issue with Chandler Jones where today Chandler was talking about them sending a wellness person out and him showing text messages. It's just a disaster. It's just when you get red flag guys, sometimes their issues pop up for you. Uh, There's a ton of pressure on this Raider team, just like there's a ton of pressure on the Broncos. They're paying the coach a ton of money. They're paying the quarterback a ton of money. I'm just, I I, I don't know how that thing's going to look, but I'm fascinated to watch it. Uh, I'm very excited. One thing that's cool about week one is I don't care who you're a fan of, Atlanta Falcons, Chicago Bears, you name it, the Jets, the Dolphins. There's just a ton of excitement. You just, you know, there are, there are a handful of teams that go, we're winning 14 games and we're winning the Super Bowl. And then there's a lot, and this is what makes the NFL so special. There is a large percentage of teams that are like, we can win nine or 10 games and be a playoff team. And then anything can happen. Hell, I watched the New York Giants multiple times as wild cards go on to end up beating the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So, Week one, heading into week one, the entire offseason, so much optimism, so much positive speak out of your coach, out of your quarterback. Even I saw Matt Stafford today joking about his wife's podcast. It's like, God, this guy's in a good mood. And then uh, then you lose by 20 points, and then that mood changes. I mean, things dramatically change early in the season when you're not a good team. But right now, it's the funnest part for any fan base because there's hope, and we know how powerful that is. And then that, last but not least, is uh, the Deion Sanders thing. How exciting is it that if you would have told me or you or just about anyone that likes football, hey, you want to watch Colorado-Nebraska in 2022, we would have laughed in your face. Be like, no chance. What other games are on? We're not watching that. Scott Frost versus Carl Durrell. It's those two guys, highway robbery. L- legalized criminal activity of what they took from their institutions. They were Carl Durrell, in fairness to Scott, Carl Durrell was dramatically worse. That that was legit criminal activity. He was making almost $4 million last year. Complete embarrassment. Now it's must-watch. And it's all primetime. And I was talking to my buddy Tim Kawakami, who's a big opinion columnist, media guy in the Bay Area, and has been is covers the Niners and the Warriors as well as anyone covers teams in the in sports. And he's he's pretty good buddies with Jim Harbaugh. And one thing he said to me this week is he's like, Prime reminds me of Jim Harbaugh. 
And the parallel was both make people uncomfortable, both do it a little differently. They're just willing to talk unlike other coaches talk. Obviously, they're both different from each other. Both NFL pedigree as players, both don't need to be coaching. They're just addicted to football and both win. And I think the other thing they both have in common is they're both old school. And one thing, I think this works, there's a lot of walks of life where old school mindset and uh, and just morals and ethics and the way that you conduct business are always going to translate to success. Just like in football, there are old school characteristics, being physical, being tough, practicing hard, uh, always translates to the actual game. And I'll, I'll, I've said this before and I'll say it again, no teams tackle to the ground anymore. No Power 5 teams do that, and definitely no NFL teams do that in practice. Deion Sa- Sanders did that all offseason. That's stuff Jim Harbaugh used to do. And I, I, I just think he is viewed as something that he's kind of not. I, I mean, this is a football junkie. I say it all the time about people that think they're really big football fans. And listen, I consider myself that. I, I've dedicated myself to this sport to uh, be my form of income, right? I did it when I worked in college, and then obviously the pros, and then I've done it talking about football for a decade now on the radio and now being a full-time podcaster. But I'll be the first to admit I've been around Pat Hill and college coaches, and I've been around a ton of NFL people, uh, obviously being on Andy Reese's staff, Sean McDermott, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, Deuce Staley. I mean, these guys went on to be head coaches, assistant head coaches, coordinators, and I don't think you can understand the addiction football guys have for football. <laughs> the, the, the coaches. The, the, they like it. Like It's impossible to like anything more. Whatever, you're, whatever you like the most, separate from like your, your parents, your wife, your children, that's the level in which they look at football. And I think Dion, because of like his social media presence, and I don't think people quite realize, dude is a football addict. And... I can't watch him. Can't wait to watch him play on Saturday morning. I've already thought, like, you know, I'm going to get up a little early. I'm going to bang out a workout. I'm going to have breakfast and everything before the game even comes on. I'm building my my morning and really my day. Like, hey, we need to get some uh, couches and stuff for the new house. We need to get. It's like, yeah, let's do that in the afternoon. I got to watch Prime coach against Matt Rule. <laughs> so very very exciting. And there's nothing like when you just see a rocket ship start. Now. I don't know how good this team. Are they a ten-win team? I, if I had to bet right now, it's probably seven or eight. I mean, Oregon, the Utahs, the USC's—like they're going to lose some games. I think they're going to win this weekend, and I can't wait to watch their quarterback. And listen, sometimes when you when you don't believe in a guy, and a lot of people would have thought Jim Harbaugh at Stanford was crazy, and then a couple years in, he's winning ten plus games, winning BCS bowl games. So you you just never want to underestimate guys like this. And I think Prime. I think Prime's here to stay, man. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, baby. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking 
everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use the code JOHN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code JOHN, J-O-H-N, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash Football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster, and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time. Looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy. And that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. <laughs> Okay, live here on AMP, Thursday morning, opening night, National Football League with my main man, Stucky, back again. It feels like we've been doing this for years. Uh, You can find him on the Action Network. Betting extraordinaire, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I guess he lives there. He's He's a native of Philadelphia, correct? Stucky, how you doing, bro? Good. It's, uh, it's good to be all the way back. We are about to hit the full swing, right? We got NFL tonight. College football is already in full swing. So we got the uh, full platter on deck from now 
through the Super Bowl and through March Madness. So yeah, rest well rested and ready to uh, grind another football season. Do you have any big plays last weekend in college? You nailed Duke. I had uh, I had the under in that game, um, but it was I was overjoyed to watch Duke, Duke football. Is not like Duke basketball. Duke football is like a little guy that you root for, and uh, just overjoyed to see Dabo go down. Um, and he, he's just been so stubborn. I think we're going to talk about Colorado, Nebraska, and not adjusting to the modern era of college football, not taking advantage of the transfer portal, and he's falling behind. And um, you saw Florida State, a team they're competing with in the ACC, one of their best players in the field against LSU was a wide receiver they got from Michigan State in the spring that they added on. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, that was a, f- a fun game. Totally. I mean, that's I talked to some people that work in college football, and they 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 said it's kind of crazy how adamant he is that like they're kind of guys they got to recruit college football you know or high school football they don't do the transfer portal and it was it was fucking glaring the other night uh but let's dive in you know nfl slash college probably the story of football still we'll start with a couple games in in college football obviously college football the story of it is prime time uh the line i mean this is a historic rivalry that has been not been played because they changed conferences, both of them years ago. One went to the Pac-12, the other went to the Big Ten. Nebraska had fallen on hard times. Colorado had really fallen on hard times. Primetime rolls in. Game of the day. Enormous ratings. I, I don't know a soul who wasn't watching that bad boy. This is a weird spot because it's not. It's hard to be a letdown when it's going to be a home opener that is going to be like a religious experience. But it is an early morning kickoff, right? They're mountain time, so it's 10 a.m. kickoff. So the body clock's a little weird. I, I know they, I guess they kicked off last week a little early, but it was still Texas. They get an extra hour. Uh, I didn't watch too much in Nebraska, Minnesota. It was pretty boring. Uh, clearly, Nebraska struggles to score. That's not Colorado's issue, but Colorado sucks on defense beside Dion's kid and, uh, and Travis Hunter, who never comes off the field. It feels like every single human alive that gambles is going to take Colorado this weekend. Am I crazy? Yeah, I think everyone, if not Nebraska, Colorado is going to be the bet, most bet football game of the weekend, including the NFL uh, in a market that's been open for months. It, yeah, Nebraska, Colorado, the most bet game of a football week. It feels like the 90s. It's like Rashawn Salam going to be carrying the ball for Colorado. But uh, I don't know. I don't like it's for me. I'm not betting the game there. Everyone could be right. Odds makers, some professional bettors could be wrong. This is a new phenomenon in college football. I'll tell you that, you know, Colorado was one of the worst teams in the country last year. They would have been like plus 35 against TCU last week with that roster last year. They were plus 20 and a half. Obviously, the line was wrong. Is Should they have been plus 14, plus 10? It's one data point. But you have a brand new staff. I love the staff that Dion assembled. You have an entirely new roster. And so you have professional bettors, you have odds makers who don't want to adjust the team too much off one data point, right? You can't be like, all right, this team is two touchdowns better than I thought, but they could be, they could be mu- way better. And this is only, we, it's not like we've, su- we've have a, a long history of teams that have done this, right? Just, all right, let's blow up, bring in a whole new staff, tra- get out, kick everyone off the team and bring in everyone else through the portal. It's an expansion team. Yes, with a lot of talent. Um, there's not a lot, not a lot of depth, but the the talent, at, you know, for the starters on both sides, including one who amazingly played a hundred and whatever snaps on both sides of the ball. And so it's 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 very difficult for me 
to adjust Colorado to where they should be. I need some more data points. I mean, I I made it minus one. I would have made it like plus then plus six last week. I adjusted a touchdown, which is unheard of after after one week. So I don't know. Everyone is going to bet them. The books are going to need um, Nebraska bad, but everyone could be right. Like th- this is just an unprecedented situation. I will say, as you said before, must see TV. Everyone's <laughs> going to tune in to see this. And the most likely outcome is that the Colorado probably wins by like one to three on a missed Nebraska field goal. All Nebraska's done. I think they're like two and fourteen in one possession games over the last three years. Their defense looked good. Their quarterback's a turnover machine. And they just can't close out games. I feel bad for Nebraska fans, but uh, I'll be tuning in, but I won't be betting that game. Okay, the the game of the day in college football that has been circled for a long time. It was incredible last year, right? If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas upsets them. Even in a loss, it's like Sark's defining moment as a head coach. <laughs> His greatest moment as a head coach is literally a close loss at home to Saban, who... For his standards, what would you say? I mean, that's one of the worst Alabama teams of his run of all the championship teams, and they were still pretty good relative to the rest of college football. This team, you know, I followed Nick Saban and the program relatively closely just on social media. He's been very positive this offseason. I think he feels pretty good about his squad. Obviously, last year, even though they lost, it was kind of embarrassing to them. The line's pretty big. It's I got a seven and a half. You know, Bama's at home, Tuscaloosa. Hard to judge them last week. But I didn't think Texas looked very good. And I, listen, two coaches I'm fucking out on, Brandon Staley, Steve Sarkeesian. Like, I just don't, I don't trust those guys regardless of their talent. Though, you know, I got some NFL buddies that have gone through Austin. They're like, this team is pretty stacked. Like, if you put Nick Saban as their head coach, we'd be talking about them to win the national championship. So probably stay away. Just that no, if this was like six, I'd take Bama. Little nervous, seven and a half. I, I could see them scoring enough points to, you know, cover that line. But I, I just... Sark, I, I could see this getting ugly. Yeah, I did. I did bet Texas. I like him at seven and a half. Got to got to fi- find that that hook, which is important, as you alluded to. And yeah, te- this Texas team does overall has a top five roster. You just go talent. They they finally have you know they have a top five offensive line on paper. The defense is finally back. So th- that staff over time, you know, they've had bat- you know, I think three straight top five recruiting classes. So it makes sense. They finally built built the depth. They built built the interior in order to compete with the top tier in the SEC. It's it's all there for this Texas team. It just comes down to the quarterback. And look, we couldn't really tell much from Alabama last week. They played a real uh, you know a Middle Tennessee State team that lost everything, lost their quarterback, top three receivers, um, and, and you know there was they shot themselves in the foot. Now Alabama was buttoned up last year. They had some issues with like penalties and. Um, you know, just mental mistakes, but they didn't have any of that last week, which was a good sign with Texas on deck. The Texas defense looked great. They, you know, they won 37 uh, the, the 10, I think, over Rice. The question, and this is all what it's going to come down to, is because I have these teams like talent-wise right now with questions at quarterback for Alabama still, and we need to see more from Milrow. It's going to come down to you were throwing the ball downfield. Last year, he was 38% when the ball traveled 15-plus yards. His footwork is just a mess. It was something I wanted to watch in the offseason. Like, okay, now he's got Arch there, another five-star behind him. Is he going to work work on that? If, you know, The rumors are he just has too big of an ego, and he thinks that his arm talent is, is too great. Last week against Rice, 0 of 7 on balls that traveled 15-plus yards down the field, missed two wide-open touchdowns even to Worthy, who was wide open down the field. And that's the key to the game. Because last year when they played TCU, 
yours was awful because TCU said, you have to beat us downfield. They brought everyone up. They took everything away. They took Bijan away. And they and yours couldn't hit anything downfield. So that's what I assume Bama's going to do that. And he has to hit a couple passes downfield early. If he can, Texas can win this game. because so that's going to open everything else up. And Alabama lost three defensive backs to the NFL. They have two starters who got hurt last week who were questionable this week, which is something big to watch because, you know, you're already trying to replace three guys that left for the NFL. I took the seven and a half just from a, a numbers perspective. This te- Texas team has the talent to play with Alabama. But keep an eye early on. Can you – and then his confidence, too, is probably going to go in that raucous stadium. Can he hit worthy or – can they have really talented receivers? Can he hit a couple deep shots early? If they do, this will be a thriller. If they, if he doesn't, could get ugly. Yours is like the uh, Jeff George, Jay Cutler of college football right now. Yep. Yeah, and it's it, it would be it would be interesting to see if like he's not hitting them. Do they yeah, Texas, go to the bullpen? Yeah, and not many teams have the luxury that Texas does. Oh, a five star, then Arch Manning. Um, but yeah, it'll be really fascinating to watch. But just when I watch him too, like last week, he. Some of the deep throws he had, his, his footwork was just a little wonky, and uh, it d- didn't. Now it's a small sample size, but it didn't look like he fixed it. And I think that's going to be the key to the game early on. Listen, Dion's D- star is shining bright. Can you imagine if they went to the pen and Arch came in and took down Bama in his first moment? I mean, you talk about Dion. Uh, you're going to be joined at the top of the college football mountain. Ar- Arches as a storyline. That that would be freaking sweet. That's the I- I'm rooting yeah. for Bama. But I'm cool with Texas winning it if that happens. Let, let's dive into the NFL. No, no one likes a good dog, especially early in the season like my man Stucky. I can't disagree with him because there are some lines that are relatively big. Before we dive into the games you like, listen, I think Arizona is going to suck. They're going to be awful. I, I think when the dust settles, I'm going to have some coin on them at plus seven against Washington. That, that feels like, to me, a tie game in the fourth quarter written all over it. What, what, what Really quick, I, I know we didn't discuss this before, but Am I crazy? No, I mean, weird things happen in week one in the NFL. So if you're thinking about, hey, I'm just going to parlay all these teams that look like they're going to win. Um, don't do that, especially in the NFL. Weird things happen. Yeah, I mean, asking a Washington team with an unproven quarterback to, and who knows if McLaurin's going to play if he's 100%. I know he's they're optimistic he is. But who knows? You're asking them to cover to win by more than one touchdown to cover your number, uh, even though Arizona's probably going to be horrendous. Don't even, we don't even know who's going to play quarterback. So, yeah, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But yeah, I mean, just think, and I'll throw a couple examples out. Last year, Pitt won at Cincy, right? Since like early in the season, these you're going to have weird results. And just to throw out a number, since 2003, over the past 20 seasons, division dogs in week one, 64, 44, and two against the spread, hitting at 60%. And uh, division one dogs that missed the playoffs the previous season. 58, 27, and two against the spread over the past 20 years, close to 70% against the spread. When they're getting a more than a field goal, 41 and 17 against the spread since 2003. That this week, that applies to the Browns, uh, Raiders, Panthers, and Rams. And, you know, there's, um, and the Colts as well. There's a lot of teams that people think are, are, are bad early in the season um, and assume teams that did well last year are going to be good. And a lot of times it just doesn't play out that way. I love to hunt for some, what I consider undervalued dogs in week one. Think about an incredible example. The Pittsburgh's pretty good example. Obviously they finished strong. 
The Bears literally had the number one overall draft pick, and they beat the fucking Niners. They won 13 games. So it's like anything. Now, obviously, the quarterback changed quickly. Who knows if Jimmy had started that game? But still, I mean, it. obviously, Frank Reich was losing every game he ever coaches in week one. So let's start. Let's start with the Colts, who back with Frank always lost to the Jags before the Jags got good. Uh, And I think the Jags are going to be pretty good. I don't know where you stand, but I, I, I view them. I like them more than the Titans. Uh, I just think Doug and Trevor are going to take off. But this week, you know, at Jacksonville, I, I think they're now, I don't want to call them the hunted, but they're a team that everyone looks at like a legitimate operation now. Obviously, you add Ridley. Uh, Trevor, I think a lot of people are picking as like a Pro Bowl level guy consistently. Uh, and the Colts, who knows? I mean, Jonathan Taylor's on pup. Can their quarterback complete passes? But this is the classic spot where you look up and it's going in the fourth quarter and the Colts are up 20 to 13. And you're like, how is this happening? It has it written all over it. So uh, who, who are you liking this bad boy? Yeah, I'm taking the points of the Colts, who I don't like this team at all this year. Um, I bet their win total under. I'm not a fan of Anthony Richardson. I just don't think he's ready yet. Now, you know, he's so, he sort of has like Fields vibes. Um, even Hurts early on is screwed out. Hurts has taken the, the leap. Fields still has yet to. I think, it, you know, Richardson, just if you look at his accuracy numbers, even behind a really good offensive line last year at Florida, they weren't there. I, I don't expect them to be there in the NFL this year. But it's this is the time, I think, that you want to back him, a first-time head coach, good offensive mind. There's a lot of uncertainty here. And, you know, we're, we're going to once people start to get film on what they want to do with Richardson and kind of get him out of his comfort zone, I think it's going to be a real struggle for the Colts. So while I wouldn't be surprised that this is your AFC South special, we've seen so many times over the last five years where usually the, these roles are reversed. But, you know, the Colts tying the Texans, the Jags and beating, upsetting the Colts and these teams go on to lose like the 13, 14 games. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts have a really rough year. But without Taylor, might work in their favor here. You're going to see a little more tempo. And the Jags' secondary is still really bad, right? You And they have some injuries now in the front seven that might impact this game as well. But this is that, you know, Richardson in his first game, yeah, there's, not real, there's not a lot of film on what they want to do with him. And it's a really bad Jacksonville secondary. So I think the Colts can actually have some success here. A sneaky little over, too, if you're looking for a total, because Jacksonville started to go a lot faster, throw a lot more. Lawrence broke out the second half of last season. Then you add Ridley, and it's still a really bad Colts defense. But home divisional dog week one here. Uh, I'm I'm taking the points and holding my nose. Yeah, I got, I got some boots on the ground on that staff. And the one thing they mentioned is they think their offense has a chance to be really, really good. Major question marks on defense. <laughs> so they could be yeah. one of those classic teams, you know, 10-win team. Scoring a ton of points, giving up a lot of points. Honestly, looking like a primetime CU squad. Uh, yeah. And, and Ridley, you know, if you're into fantasy, I think I think he's got a chance to have a pretty big year for them. Obviously, Christian Kirk did last year. ETN's kind of your modern day hybrid, you know, pass catching back. Uh, okay, let's dive into another game. Yeah, Rid- Rid- the good thing with Ridley is that if Ridley is, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a weird situation. We haven't seen like much. We don't have a big data set on receivers in his age just missing two years and coming back. We'll see if so, but if yeah, just even close to the speed that he had before, just opening up the top um, of you know opposing defenses can open up so much more 
underneath for Kirk and company for Lawrence uh, to operate even a more efficient offense after we saw him break out in the second half of last year. So really interested to see what they do with Ridley and how it impacts everything. I think one thing you're going to see is they view him and Kirk as kind of interchange. Like they can pump Ridley into the slot, same with Christian Kirk, and then kind of move those guys around kind of. Kind of little 49ers yeah. with Ayuk and Debo, you can kind of move them all around. And then obviously you have a dynamic running back and a you know a good pass catching tight end. That their offense could be could be really fun to watch. Talk about a team that might not be that fun to watch as the season goes on would be the Buccaneers, who to me, I, I think have uh the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We'll have a chance to be talking about them by about the middle of October. But this they're playing a team that I, I know you and most people in the gambling sphere, in the numbers sphere, thought it was kind of crazy what they were doing, all the one-score games. It obviously came to a head in the playoff game when they lost to the Giants. Uh, you know, a lot of people are picking Minnesota to come back to earth. Hell, if you if you win nine games, that's a four-game you know, game swing from last year. That would be pretty big. You know, Kirk Cousins, that thing could get weird fast. He's last year of his contract. There's already been some talks. Like, if it got weird, would they trade him? I don't really know what his trade market would be. But, you know, the Buccaneers, this is another classic. Team's going to be bad, more than likely. They'll end up trading people by early October. But you look up, or are they in a tie game going into the fourth quarter? This has it written all over to me, too. And I think Baker Mayfield's terrible. But uh, week one, I, I would, I'm probably with you on this one. I'm going with the dog. Yeah. I mean, even if the Vikings duplicate what they did last year, they wouldn't cover this game. Even if they went 13, they won every game by like three points. So asking them to win by margin here uh, is difficult. I, look, Minnesota, you, you mentioned it. They There were rumors that they tried to trade up for Bryce Young. And I think this is the last year of Cousins. They can still be competitive because their division is terrible. The NFC is still terrible. But they're quietly rebuilding, knowing that they need to get, you know, that yeah, they have a, the, arguably the best receiver. In the NFL, they have a really good left tackle, you know, good tackle situation. Everything else needs to be kind of blown up. And the Cousins, you, gotta, you can't pay Cousins, you know, $6 billion a year at his age. No. So, you know, they're they're quietly rebuilding. Look at all the veterans they got rid of from that team last year. You know, Zadarius Smith, Kendricks, uh, their running back. They they I think they got rid of six or seven um, you know, Cook. I think six or seven veteran guys. So they're not as those talented. were former Pro Bowl players. You know, I mean yep. they, were, they were their core guys making the playoff for all those years. Yep. They're uh Peterson, their primary corner. Like so they they they're a less t- I think they I agreed with all the moves from a long term roster construction perspective, but they're a less talented team than they were last year. That was a fraudulent 13 win team. The defense, I have a lot of respect for Brian Flores. The defense is bad. Like you look at the secondary, they're not gonna be able to generate pressure naturally, which is how you, if you can do that against Baker Mayfield, he folds like a cheap tent. They're not gonna be able to do that. And that's ultimately the Bucks offensive line's a big problem. You lose a couple guys, you're moving worse from right to left side. But I don't think that's as big of a concern here. The Bucs still have two really good receivers going up against a, a horrible Viking secondary. And the Bucs defense, it's still, look, they don't have a lot of depth. And later in the year, that could be disastrous. I think the offensive line is eventually going to cost them. I, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Evans gets traded, you know, in a couple weeks. And yeah. who knows? It's going to get ugly quick. But the defense still, the front, the, the starting 11, have a lot of talent at all three levels. It's still a really good, you know, really talented secondary that can match up with some of these receivers still an age. It's an aging cousins. who I think is going to start to slip too many points. And for what it's worth, cousins is a favorite of more than four points, 11, 18 and one against the spread in his career, 38%, including seven, 15 and one at home. That's 32% on the, 
I'll happily take the six here. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks won outright. Um, but more than likely, it's probably going to be, and everyone's going to be laughing, it's going to be another one of the, the three-point Vikings wins. You know, what's funny is I get so many DMs. Vikings actually have a sneaky big fan base. They're like, you're underselling us our defense with Brian Flores. And I think the one thing that you can get by with a great offensive mind, I think you'll see it this year probably with Andy Reid with some randoms. He can turn in. He did it forever in Philly. Kyle Shanahan has a history. You can turn randoms into solid players. It's much harder on defense. Like Vic Fangio was a great coach in San Francisco when he had a loaded squad with Harbaugh. Hasn't been as good other spots. Chicago, the one year they get Khalil Mack, he's a star again, right? You need, it's it's a little college football, in my opinion, with the Jimmys and the Joes on top of the X's and O's. Look at the 49ers have been Sala and D'Amico. It's because they have great players. It's hard to be some elite. Belichick and Parcells turned into Belichick and Parcells with all those dudes in LT. You know, you 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 can't overcome you know, that's why the Dolphins, I'm not as high on. You lose Jalen Ramsey. There's still some question marks. Like, it's just when you got great players and you give me a great defensive coordinator, okay, you're going to be a top five defense. Yeah, I take that yep. away. I, 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 it's just, it's, it's much harder, be, especially with the rules today. So I'm Minnesota. I think a lot of people are like, well, they got Brian Flores now. Like you said, it, look at their personnel. Zimmer was awesome when he coached the Bengals and they were loaded and then he became the head coach of Minnesota and they nailed a bunch of draft picks as those guys got older, Dan Quinn, look at him now. He's viewed as one of the best defensive coordinators. Well, was he the village idiot in Atlanta or their players just suck? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm here with you. I look though for the, I mean, and the counter to the, the Vikings and yeah, the Vikings have a lot of passionate fans starting with the guy, the guy, one of my favorite sounds in the NFL is the guy who blows the, the horn at, at their home games, whenever it's like third down. But the counter to that is I really like the hire that the Bucks made at offensive coordinator, former McVay guy. So there's familiar, familiarity there with Baker, who was with the Rams shortly last year. But Leftwich was just the play calling, the early down play calling was terrible last year for the Bucks. So I think there's going to be an improvement there from a play calling perspective. But you're right. Look at Bel- Belichick, 25 and 25 overall record since Brady left. Like you, you need you need players and you need you need. To otherwise, there's just only so much you can do. Okay, let's go with the Titans. Uh, Titans Saints. My, my guy Hayner just got popped for uh, PEDs. Now he was the third quarterback, but still, it, that hurts me. A uh, lot of buzz on New Orleans. Listen, Dennis Allen's record speaks for itself, but I, I think their division's pretty terrible. I, I like him to win the South. I don't know about you. I, I think Derek, listen, w- w- he's been a polarizing player over the years, but if he just last year was somewhat of an outlier, if he is just you know, floating between that middle tier, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 quarterback in the league, they're in pretty good shape. But the Titans are that classic team, and we talk about it all the time with Tomlin as a dog and people disrespecting him. That's kind of when he thrives. Uh, I, I'm just not as bullish on the Titans this year. I think this is the year Derek falls off a cliff, but this early spot where th- they clearly have the coaching matchup, and you could argue if they're both just solid, Tannehill and, and Derek are a wash. Right. So usually if if those the most important thing, quarterback, coach, you know, you could argue advantage Titans. I do think this place is going to be nuts. I do think they got a lot of positive momentum coming in for the Saints fans. Like they they believe again it's going to be a tough place to play, which it feels like it's kind of dimmed out a little bit last year, despite having a really good defense. Um I don't this is probably a stay away from me. I just I, I just can't get behind the Titans. And uh I guess I'm a believer in the Saints, but I, I would like to see a couple games first. Yeah, I'm taking the Titans here. I, t- I took plus three and a half, and and some. I would still take plus three. I look Vrabel for what it's worth. Fourteen six and one against the spread. Seventy percent 
as a road underdog of three or more points. And he's just the guy that squeezes the most out of his roster year in and year out. He, you know, he's gone over his preseason win total four or five years. The one exception was last year when they were sitting seven and three, the reigning number one overall seed in the AFC. And then they got absolutely were devastated by injuries. They were the unluckiest team in the league last year by average games, law aggregate games lost in the injury department. And they lost seven straight. They were even in some close games with, uh, you know, Dobbs and uh, the quarterback situation was horrendous. Yeah. So they're going to be much healthier coming into this year. I'm a little worried about the offensive line. You know, you're projected starting right tackle, Petit Ferrer. He suspended the first six games. But it's not as big of a concern against this Saints team, which has weakened over the years in their defensive front seven. And it's just natural pass rushing prowess. I mean, Cam Jordan's not getting any younger. You add Hopkins. I think that opens up things for Burks. I actually love that. I was a Tajay Spears truther at Tulane. I think he can provide some things on third down and in the passing game. And the interior of that Titans defense, I think, can cause some chaos and take advantage of a, a fairly vulnerable interior Saints offensive line. And that's really how you, you know, you kind of disrupt Carr, who I actually like more than most, but he's not the most mobile guy in the world. So if you can generate interior pressure, that's really how you disrupt a car offense. And he's in a new scheme here. It might take some time. And you said it best of all, the coaching advantage here. Uh, I'll happily take a field goal in this particular matchup, which should be, I think, a close game throughout. So I'll, I'll happily take the three and keep it in my back pocket. Okay. The the Jordan Love, Justin Fields Bowl. Uh, I, I think if you remove all the quarterback hype, like does, does Jordan Love, what does he look like? Because no one really knows. And then is Justin Fields actually good or is he just a runner? Uh, and you just look at all the other players on the team. The Packers are dramatically better than the Bears, right? Their roster is, I mean, it's it's, it's in I a different, it's on a, it's on a different level. Now, I did see, and I know you monitor this stuff closely. Their two wide receivers have hamstring issues, which is, is a, makes me a little nervous. But they're built like they have no problem, especially Lafleur has really closer ties to Kyle in terms of he really wants to run the ball, and obviously they've talked a lot about that over the course of this transition. He'll run it 35 times. He's got no problem winning this thing 17 to seven or something, and you know, just controlling the clock. So if those guys are out, which big picture for this team would be a problem. But in this individual game, regardless of the quarterbacks, like I, I the Bears just don't have a good roster. I, I think a lot of people that are like picking the Bears to be like some sleeper wild card team, I, I just think they're a year away from being in that conversation, assuming they hit on Justin Fields, which is yeah. an unknown. But their 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 defense. I mean, I think stinks, Stucky. I mean, I I would just pick the the Bears or excuse me, the Packers. Plus, you're getting a point just on principle of just the roster construction. Yep. Yeah, I, the Packers are significantly better overall than the Bears. Look at the offensive line, and by you know when the Packers' offensive line is healthy, it's one of the best in the NFL. The Bears' offensive line was historically bad last year. They brought in you know Nate Davis. He drafted a tackle. But Tevin Jenkins is on IR. They've had to move a bunch of guys around. Like, it's still a mess. Their defense yeah. was historically bad. I had them rated as the worst in the league last year. They went out and signed two, you know, two high-profile linebackers. Who, who cares in today's NFL? Uh, it's the least important position. And you, you mentioned the running game. Last year, the Packers swept the Bears. They ran it 67 times for 380 yards. It's an average of 5.7 yards per carry. The worst 
run defense in the league allowed, allowed 5.4 fields in those two games, by the way, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. And yeah, the, the Packers defense, not a fan, not a huge fan of their coordinator, Barry, but ver- a very talented defense with a lockdown corner. Bears defense is still just bottom of the barrel. You know, the previous management just left it, this team, in, you know, it's just a mess and it's taken a while. It's going to take a while for them to clean it all up. You got to hope you hit on fields. And then, you know, you've been shedding contracts and and just trying to build a younger defense, younger offensive line, you know, bringing in receiver, uh, a number one receiver is going to help fields. But if you just dig into the numbers, uh, the accuracy is still not there. He's he's going to have to run around a ton. The injury risk, too, for the whole season is obviously astronomical because the defense is not going to get any stops. He's gonna, it's, it's not like they're going to be blowing anyone out. So, yeah, I think that you're, you nailed you nailed it. Um, it's. The better defense, better offensive line, just a overall better team. And I'm not a believer in Fields yet. Now he can prove it to me over time. And Love, I, I like what I've seen in a small sample size, but maybe he has it. I-, I just don't think that Fields has it as of right now. And then the overall team is better. I'll happily take the points on the road here with the Packers and hope they get it done. I actually think the Bears, if this season doesn't go well, and I- I'm, I don't think they're going to be very good actually have a lot going for them that they got DJ Moore in the trade. They're going to have a high pick. The Panthers have a chance to also be terrible. They have their pick, you know, so it's if if the Justin Fields experiment does not work out, it's not life or death. Uh, Now they're coming from a place unlike San Francisco who blew a quarterback. They were winning and just kept on rolling this. It feels worse when you're losing, but I do think you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel Obviously, if you're a Bears fan, you root against Carolina every single week, which a lot of those weeks probably shouldn't. I don't know where you stand on them. I, I'm not trying to overreact to the preseason, but they don't have any weapons. Uh, the quarterback, I, I like the quarterback a lot, but God, he's small and he could easily get hurt behind an offensive line. He's not, you know, for a little guy, you think kind of like, oh, he's Kyler Murray. No, he's not a great athlete. He's a pocket quarterback. He's he's closer to Tua in the sense that like he plays, he's a thrower. You know, he's not a runner. But yeah. he's tiny. So yeah. if one of these big defensive linemen, which literally every team has, imagine Vita Vea falling on that guy. I could see him. I mean, I'd be stunned if he's able to stay healthy all season long, especially the way he plays, because I love his game because he's fearless. But God, you better buckle up. But that's good for the Bears. Who knows? Like they could have like the number one pick and the number four pick. All of a sudden you're looking at Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. or something. Yeah, the I would say that the division as a whole is pretty weak this year, but you can see the light for a lot of these teams and everything's cyclical in the NFL. Like the AFC is so much better than the NFC overall, especially from a depth perspective, but that's going to change, right? There's some of these aging quarterbacks, you got to pay them. And then those rosters yeah. get worse in the NFC, right? You have the lions, which are building a nice, good young roster when, you know, eventually they're going to golf. I think really limits their ceiling, right? The, and it's just, when he has to go against some of these elite quarterbacks, in the NFL, it's just not there, but they're, they they hit on the quarterback in the future. If Jordan Love hits with this Packers team, which has a good young base, and then, yeah, the Bears, I like Eberflus as well. If either Fields hits or they get another young quarterback that hits, and the Vikings, I think, are making that transition too. Thiel, and you mentioned on the Panthers, another guy they shedded. They're kind of resetting. Yeah. You have a franchise wide receiver, tackles, they're resetting, and then if they can hit on a quarterback, this division could be really fun again in a couple of years. For people listening to this until, you know, before the Sunday kickoff, 
you know, we, I'm not a huge over under guy just because I'm not a patient gambler. It's hard for me to wait that long to get the payoff. I I have to put up so much up front to keep my juices rolling. But are there, is there a team or two? Cause I picking the division, I kind of went chalk. I'm just very chalky. It's hard, you know, in the NFC, like it's hard for me to think outside the box beside the Cowboys, the Niners, the Eagles, the Giants, Seattle. I mean, I think most of the teams last year, maybe the Saints and Tampa flip, but the AFC is a little more difficult. Is there a team that you don't like who's been good or a team that hasn't been good or, you know, last year, like a Broncos, a Raiders, a Browns that you could see making the playoffs? Because I, I know one team in the AFC I think is going to be really good this season. Uh, it, it's I, I'm not going to bet this game because I want the 49ers to win. I easily think the, I think the Steelers are going to be pretty good. And I, I think they got a chance not just to win that division, but be, be a real squad. And I, I wasn't the biggest Kenny Pickett guy, but a lot like. I think the 49ers are a good example for them. If you insert a guy that's just more than capable, and I, I hate to say this, but Mac Jones probably would have been this version if they would have picked him. You can just function and win 12, 13 games. Look at Purdy last year because of the talent they have around him and the defense. And I, I think the Steelers, I know they came on at the end of the year. Obviously, Tomlin took this preseason as seriously as any coach ever. Uh, I, I think they're like a 13-win team. And I, I got them... You know, obviously, as we're recording this, we'll see Kelsey's injury. Just big picture, if it lingers, the Chris Jones situation. I, I'm not betting against the Chiefs as long as they got Andy and Mahomes. But I, I think the Steelers are a team that could give them some, uh, you know, they have a coach that knows what he's doing. They have a staff, you know, that's been cohesive and just a legit roster. I, I could see the Steelers, you know, giving the Chiefs all they can handle as the season goes on. Well, I'll throw out another team in there. I, I'm still, I still need to see more from Pickett, and like, I, I don't really care what happens in the preseason. So I need to see more from him. And I'm not the biggest fan of their offensive coordinator. Um, and just schematically, I think he leaves a lot on the table. But we'll see. Um, you know that they're going to pull off some upsets. Tomlin always does, which is going to help their case. It's a brutal path, a brutal schedule, brutal division. But a team that, if you want to buy the upside, I, I bet some Browns plus 400 to win the division. They, you know, I project them to win double-digit games. The Bengals have a first-place schedule. There's some questions with the Bengals this year. You know, you lose your two safeties allowed allowed you to do so much on that defense. Adam Rumo changed so much even within games. That's because he had two very reliable veteran safeties on the back end that just allow you to so much flexibility. So we'll see. The Bengals' offensive line still has some questions. They're going to be in the mix if they get the playoffs because they have Burrow and those receivers. But the Browns yeah. plus four hundred. An easier schedule, and you're. I'm just buying the upside of Watson getting back to, you know, slightly above average. Doesn't have to get back to his elite play when he was in Houston. But I love what they did in the off season. They bulked up in the interior. They to improve their run defense. Right, you had to also improve at safety. They added speed at wide receiver, and then a defensive coordinator hire. It, it just went sideways there last year. There were so many communication issues on the back end. Um, so if Watson can just, you know, live up to even close to his expectation, you already have the running game. You already have that offensive line. I think the Browns are worth taking a flyer on. You want to buy the upside. You don't want to take the over on the win total in the AFC, but if Watson, cause it's all about, can Watson actually get back to where he once was? I still have my doubts, but a plus 400 to win that division. Um, I think it's worth a shot. Cause was it one of the issues is they went money ball they tried to be super fast on defense and they were small and people just ran the ball down their throat. It's like, yeah, guys, 
these coaches, if you have a, a small D tackle and small linebackers, they they will just run it all day long. Like this isn't you don't just have to pass because it's quote unquote a passing league. Right. Yeah. They they could not and then obviously Watson when he came back was well, I guess Jacoby started the majority of the games. And what about two teams that you know, I guess if Russell were to bounce back, now he he's been trending down for seasons. And yep. the Raiders, you know, I, I'm not trying to overreact to the preseason, but it feels like they just got a little more stability this offseason, obviously before Chandler Jones the last couple of days. But Jimmy and Josh more on the same page than Derek. Could you see either one of those two teams being a being a 10 win team? It's hard with the Broncos. I mean, I, I got to see it out of Russ before I believe. And Josh McDaniel's history as a head coach just hasn't been good. But if you do look at their individual games last year, Remember how many one score like they were leading and they would blow it. They they actually they weren't your typical like seven win team where they just suck. They were winning the majority of the games that they lost. Yeah. Now I I personally can't. If you put either one of those teams in the NFC, they could make noise, win win a division in that division in this conference. Like you're gonna against so many elite quarterbacks. I just I can't say it. Number one. The Broncos, by the way, are dealing with a ton of injuries too heading into the season, which is an idea. Lost wide receivers. Uh, yeah, running back there, right tackle. McGlinchey's just come back from injury. We'll see. The defense has all kinds of guys on IR. But I, I think Russ is cooked. So that eliminates them right away. I took their season win total under. Um, maybe Peyton can pull a rabbit out of a hat. But Russ, what made Russ so great was his, you know, his improvisation, right? And he would run around, create plays. And he had one of the best deep balls in NFL history. It, it's just not there anymore, right? And we've seen it for years. And um, I, so I think he's cooked, as we've seen. And I'll believe that until we see otherwise. The Raiders, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not a McDaniels guy in the defense. I, I just don't think that, especially on the back end, is good enough in the AFC to win enough games with a quarterback who's not elite and is going to, you know, put up. 35, 40 points and win you games and shootouts consistently enough to make noise in the AFC. Yeah. So it's really difficult to see any team that doesn't have a top tier quarterback or a, you know, a quarterback that could emerge into someone who becomes close to elite making a run in the AFC. Think about if you get in, right? Like who you got to, who you have to get past. Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. You even got, you have, Lamar Jackson in the in back in yeah, the new him. offense. We'll see what he looks yeah. like in the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers. The list. The list. Yeah, you, you you we brought Rodgers to the AFC, and so it's it's a gauntlet. So it's really hard for me to see a team in the AFC that's in that middle tier um, really breaking through. It's very hard to make a case. Yeah, that's another team that I, I I'm going to pick to win the division. I'm going to take the over is the Jets just because I do think their formula is kind of going back to like when LaFleur first got there offensively run the ball and try to be one of the leading rushing teams. And unlike some of the Packer teams historically in Rogers era, their defense is undeniably pretty loaded and their D line kind of has feels of like that 1949 er team that you just couldn't block anybody. And, and they got multiple waves so if you, the formula, and I know people question their offensive line. I listen, I, they're not wrong, but if you lead the league in rushing, you can make average offensive line look good if you run the ball, right? And when your defense is just, they have a lockdown corner and an unstop, like you can't block all these guys. So if they ever get a lead, which Rogers, he doesn't get the credit for being like the cerebral Brady Manning breeze, but like you watch my hard knocks, the dude's a fucking savant. So he, he, he doesn't, 
he does he's not just ad-libbing all the time like Russ. Like he can play within the conf- you know, confines of the offense. I think the Jets are gonna be good. And I think you're gonna have a massive chip on this guy's shoulder, a little Brady 2020 version. And I think they're gonna they're gonna have to win some games if their offense is a little off, which they easily can't defensively. I, I think their defense is gonna be freaking dynamic. Yeah, I there's and if you look dig into the advanced metrics last year, they're um there was nothing fluky about it. There wasn't like a bunch of turnovers or fluke. Like it was just their D line gets ton ton of pressure. Sauce Gardner is the real deal. Uh, if, you, if you look at his, I was obsessed with him in college. He was uh, he didn't allow a touchdown in like in four years. His numbers were absolutely insane. Yeah. Aiden he came right in. I didn't think it was going to be that good right away. But when you have a lockdown corner, it can transition your defense even quicker. But the defense is there. It's all going to be on the offensive line to reach their ceiling. For sure. And then as long as Rodgers, and you said it with Rodgers, like last year, if they just had an average quarterback. They could have made noise, right? They just, they couldn't, they couldn't find any quarterback play. Rodgers in NFL history has a 1.4% career interception rate. Nobody in NFL history is lower. Uh, so he doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to lose you games. But if he, you know, if, in order to get through the AFC, you're going to, you're, no matter even how good the Jets' defense is, you're going to have to score. That offensive line's going to have to hold up. But the most important thing is Rodgers is not spring chicken. He's going to have to stay healthy. So the yeah. offensive line is going to have to protect him. That's what I'm watching more than anything is, can Rodgers make it through the full season if the offensive line is getting cooked? So that might be the biggest thing to watch for the Jets. And then because if that happens, then you're right back to where you were last year. You know, what's funny about that number is ironically what makes him such a incredible all-time great regular season player. Sometimes like Aaron, you got to, you know, push the envelope a little bit in the playoff game. And that's, you know, that number, you, you got to take some chances. And maybe now he's got nothing to lose at 40 years old. And obviously a lot like Tom, you win with the Bucks or you win with the Jets. You talk about up in your legacy. I mean, especially the Jets. I mean, a franchise. The Bucks had won a Super Bowl recently and been good in, in the past. Like this team has sucked for the majority of my life. So uh yeah. I'm well, another another thing to say about Mahomes, Mahomes, by the way. Uh you say got you know, Roger sometimes gets a little gun shy. Mahomes never gun shy. Mahomes, third lowest interception rate in NFL history, one point six percent. Which is pretty wow. crazy for some of the throws that he makes. A good nugget. Well, Stucky, glad to have you back. To let everyone know where they can they can find you and hear you. Yeah, Big Bets on Campus podcast for our college football. Every week we'll preview the college football site. That'll be out Friday mornings. Our NFL preview with myself and Chris Raybon. That's out every Thursday morning. That's Action Network podcast. So Big Bets on Campus College Action Network podcast. Find me on Twitter at Stucky2. And uh, all of my bets on for free on the uh, Action Network app at Stucky too as well. Well, Stucky, let's roll, baby. Yeah, it's good to be back. Full Saturdays and full Sundays. Uh, the couch. It's nice to be back on the couch and hitting the bars for with football on. So I hope everyone enjoys their weekend and wins some money. Yeah, have some cocktails on me. The volume. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. 
Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, he's called Mal Evans, who's our roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.